Pacific Pelican US slash 64 Podcast 133 May 10th, 2014 Are you taking some kind of drugs or drinking? children cowered in their homes. The gunfire that police officers north of the car were dodging came from newly arriving officers south of the car. Bullets were sprayed everywhere. They hit the Volvo, other cars in the lot, fence posts and neighboring businesses. They blasted holes in a townhouse. Anthony Vandiver lives in that townhouse. Shooting just wild, man. Just shooting all over the place, man. Oh, come on, this is bullshit. The bullets could have came through the window. Anything could have happened, man. They wasn't thinking, man. They wasn't thinking at all. We need to establish that perimeter. I have not verified if the subject is down or not. We have the vehicle I'm shooting a SIG 228 for the very first time. Let's pull that down because we're getting a lot of radio chatter there. Absolutely. Isn't it a fact, Dr. Rice, that the August 6 PDB warned against possible attacks in this country? And I ask you whether you recall the title of that PDB. I believe the title was Bin Laden Determined to Attack Inside the United States. Uh, uh, now, the, uh, the PDB... You. No... Can't 
handle guns. They, they are inherently violent. Two fugitives have been out since this morning after beating a guard. Stay in the closet. It really grew out of the fact that I don't know if people realize that this anti-poaching agreement that was settled in Silicon Valley last week is not an isolated incident. Steve Jobs at the center of that. It's not the first time he's had this kind of brush with the law post-mortem. He was at the center of the e-book price-fixing case, and then there was the backdating scandal. So there is a pattern here that looks troubling to some people. You quote some people that call him a walking antitrust violation. Do you think that's fair? Uh, that may be overstating a bit, but I have to say he doesn't seem to pay much attention to the antitrust Why laws. And I think it's shirt? worth reminding people that the Sherman Act just boldly says in the first sentence that any agreement in restraint of trade is a felony uh -huh. punishable by three years in jail. And I, I don't think Steve Jobs is the only person who seems to be conveniently forgetting that this law... Where are you in jail? ...to people in Silicon Valley, and they just basically kind of shrug and say, oh, well, antitrust, like, who cares about that? Let's go. It seems like in each of these cases involving Steve Jobs, there are other parties on the other side oh, yeah. who are also involved, right? Unlike Microsoft, which managed to get into some antitrust issues all on its own, right? I mean, yeah, well, is, is this a Jobs thing, or is it something about the way people, these titans, are doing business today? Well, you can't have a... Am I talking to you? Yeah, well, that's what it is. See your gold inside out. Does it really matter? All that you want is not enough. It's why you never answer. In the background, you're hearing Say Whatever by Bastien Laval featuring Melissa Loretta via SoundCloud. I've recently read a novel by Franz Kafka. And this is, I think, you know, one of his lesser known novels. If, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the Trial, The Castle, and then this book, America, spelled with a K, also known as... Uh, the missing person, I think. Um, th these were all published uh, posthumously. Uh, Kafka died uh, uh, in the 20s, and uh, these books were all published um, after his death, and I, I think America was later than The Trial and The Castle. Now, those are classic works, and uh, the... the um, the trial certainly the 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 version that I read uh, which which I talked about on a previous episode uh, it was it seems like a, a pretty coherent uh, complete uh, story you know a, a full pretty fully developed novel and uh, I think for whatever reason uh, Kafka didn't he didn't uh, decide to publish it while he was living and then. A year after, um, whichever of his uh, uh, friends or executors published the uh, 
trial, uh, I think like it was a year later, they published The Castle. Uh, and so these these books came out, and uh, I think they've they've uh, assumed the the uh, kind of status of uh, classics over the years because of their uh, vivid imagery, their cramped sense of place, their unconventional characterizations, their uh, modern outlook. I don't know. There's so many things you can say about them. And uh, while the metamorphosis is, is often talked about, and I think that's either a very short novel or a, a long, short story. I think that may have been published while I was alive, but I'm not sure. That's that's uh, very well known, but the, the trial is, is incredible. And uh, the castle, while I think uh, it was, it maybe is a little more unfinished, it, it's it's very intriguing. I will say, though, about, about America, this this is the, well, this this is definitely the least great of those three in, in the form that it's presented, you know. Uh, I uh, I read a Kindle edition of the book, and it's going to be translated. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, th- there's a lot of uh, complexities and details that might be lost on uh, uh, non-native speakers. I think Kafka wrote in German. But, but the uh, the translation that I'm looking at here, you know, um, the, the one that I read, it's, uh, it's translated by uh, Mark Harmon. And I, I like the uh, I, I like the, the, the way that uh, the, um, the language is written. And it's certainly it's, it's very uh, trademark Kafka in a lot of ways. But the story is uh, it's sort of a picaresque uh american travelogue i I don't know i mean i don't think he ever leaves the northeast although because uh, well for one thing kafka never visited north america uh there's some imaginings you know of uh of, of what it would be like so the character is a young man who is just getting into the new york harbor on a ship arriving from Europe and he talks about his his uh, old country and how his parents sent him to America um, it I think I think it um, it had to do with some embarrassment over uh, o- over some s- some some way that uh, the, the the character some interest the character had in a in a woman uh, and uh, I don't know, some sort of a minor scandal or something. But, uh, it, I mean, it didn't really sound like much of a scandal. But anyway, uh, he was is sent uh, to America and he meets a uh, someone who works on the ship who has a complaint. And he wants to bring the complaint to the ship's management. So the character gets all mixed up in that. And then there's this scene in the office with uh, a lot of different people that work on the ship and the person trying to make his case. And then for some reason, people become aware that... Uh, that like, apparently, the, the character didn't have any plan uh, on arriving in the country, but um, he manages to meet up with his uncle s- somehow. And 
from there. So from there, his uncle's connected and wealthy, but because of some, I don't know, social faux pas or some sort of a, a mistake he makes uh, by wanting to go visit other people too soon, the uncle disowns him. So he's visiting these people where there's a, I don't know, crafty, kind of interesting uh, female character that uh, he interacts with. I don't know if it, it's, it's clear. Maybe she likes him. But uh, the, and the, there's the there's other people at that house too and the house is confusing and he gets lost in it and the servant has to help him. And then from there, because he gets a message that his uncle doesn't want to see him back, he becomes uh, uh, basically indigent and he uh, gets mixed up with uh, street people who lead him on some adventures before he gets a job at a hotel and when one of these people Robinson shows up again at the hotel it's his undoing and he gets fired so then he ends up with well in a scene with police and then uh gets out of out of it by running away with Delmarsh the other street person he had um ran with earlier and so then he and Robinson are servants to Delmarsh and his new girlfriend who pays for this apartment but has all sorts of crazy demands. And then they're eating biscuits at the end and then there's some fragments including trying to move this uh, girlfriend of Delmarsh who by then I guess maybe was on her own when uh, in the first fragment when the character is moving her somewhere. So this is the type of story. It has a lot more to it. It has a lot of description of his working at the hotel. Uh, it it um it has some. Uh, I mean, it's it's like living on the street, working at a hotel. I mean, in a strange way, you could compare it to uh, down and out in Paris and London, with uh, by George Orwell. But uh, it's its own unique thing, of course, being uh, worked by Kafka. And 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 because of that, it's it's probably worth reading. But I would definitely recommend checking out the trial first. A few quotes from the book. Uh, quote, it was a scam, nothing but a scam. And weren't the gentlemen not only tolerating it, but even recognizing it as proper conduct, unquote? Quote, for one could not hope for pity here in this country, unquote. Quote, he knew that whatever he could say would end up seeming very different from the way it had been intended.
This is Tom Waits. Heart attack and fine in the background. Ebooks uh, and the antitrust issues around them uh, have uh, actually, you know, come up uh, previously in this podcast uh, in that uh, clip about Steve Jobs. And anyway, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, ongoing, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, jostling for um, legal position in U in the U.S. and Canada, I, I and uh, uh, it settled down a little bit with the different settlements and uh, cases. But basically, um, there's an article on a Canadian site. Uh, there'll be a link to the show, to the article in the show notes. It's at mondaq.com. Uh, but uh, if you want, you want to see the uh, the link. Uh, go to the show notes at PacificPelican.us/sixty-four and look for podcast one thirty-three. Uh, the headline of this is Canada: The Ebook Saga, Kobo's Challenge Explained by uh, W. Michael G. Osborne. Well, it explains how the agency model um, differs from the wholesale model. Now, what happened in uh, the ebook market was that, uh, uh, well, here, here's a quote. Uh, they found that the replacement of a traditional wholesale price model with an agency model where the publisher sets the retail price and charges a percentage of that price as the wholesale price led to higher prices for ebooks. Unquote. So that's what he says the competition authorities in the US, Canada, and Europe uh, claimed. Well, so what, what, what uh, this article says has sort of happened is the agency model has essentially been replaced by something that's being called the agency light model. Um, I'll quote again, the agency light model is essentially the same as the agency model with most of the restrictions on retail price reductions removed. Thus, publishers continue to establish a retail price and are paid a wholesale price based on a discount from the retail price. The key difference is that retailers are free to price below the suggested retail price. The wholesale price does not change, however, even if retailers decrease retail prices. Unquote. So... Then he goes on to say that Kobo is complaining that uh, uh, retailers like them uh, bear the uh, losses that go with uh, competing in the marketplace. And I mean, you know, to be fair, right, a lot of different ebook providers will have the same uh, book by the same author, just in the edition, you know, of uh, that they offer on their site, which usually aren't differentiated. Uh, I don't think. And, uh, you know, so Kobo is just another one of those. Uh, it's, it's a company that's trying to get a foothold in uh, different markets. I think I think uh, in Canada they have a, a, a decent audience. And uh, I don't know which other countries they're big in, but they uh, were bought out uh, by a Japanese e-commerce giant. So uh, now, you know, they're, they're looking to... Uh, 
become one of the major ebook uh, vendors, you know, platforms. And the Japanese company that owns them is called uh, Rakuten. And uh, so they're competing basically with Amazon, which is the big company in, in a lot of markets in, in the U.S. And then uh, the stats I saw recently put uh, Apple's iBooks at number two in the market. But uh, what uh, the uh, agency light model has meant is that uh, the uh, bookstores that are trying to uh, gain market share, like Google Play Books, uh, might be more aggressive in marking down the prices. And now, so the the prices, the, the effect of all this uh, for authors, for, for uh, publishers, for direct publishers, is that the uh, price that's set by the publisher, I guess uh, it does, it doesn't really, it, it does actually kind of stick because when the price is changed by the vendor, the difference is made up for uh, by the vendor. Although, you know, I, I don't really know, uh, you know, all the details of how that, how that works, but it, it does allow for, for different, um, you know, um, D different platforms uh, to you know try to differentiate it based on price. Well, there's some other platforms out there that are trying to differentiate based on how their users consume books. And what I mean by that is um, there are companies now bidding to be thought of as the Netflix of books. Now with music, uh, some of the big uh, music uh, sellers have kind of gotten into the streaming business after getting into uh, selling first. So iTunes now is iTunes Radio, and there are rumors that Apple might be buying Beats, uh, which I, you know I guess they do hardware and subscription service, and Google. Uh, play music has a uh, you know they have a site where you can buy uh, songs uh, mp3s I think but then you can also get the uh, subscription service and it's pretty comparable to Spotify or RDO or those types of things so in books you know who's going to grab the uh, the ebook uh, streaming uh you know, market share, I guess, is the question. And is that going to be a significant market? So will there be a company that comes in and from the outside, unlike in music, more like in uh, in movies, like where there is Amazon Prime, but I think the big name still in uh, streaming video is Netflix. So is there going to be a disruptor that's going to come in? Well, there's three, well, at least three companies that are aiming to be that Disruptor and uh, one of them is Scribd. Now uh, you, you might have heard of Scribd. It's been around for a few years, and they uh, were kind of like the uh, paste bin for documents uh, for a while. I mean, I think they still are. I mean, in fact, you go to their their um, front page, uh, scribd.com, and they have uh, in the upper left corner an upload button. So you know they have the functionality. 
of uploading documents like the site was kind of built on and then they also have apps uh they have like an apple and android logo in the upper right for you know get the app and then uh, they um you know they have like a on the uh, like a splash page right in the middle it says read unlimited books for 8.99 per month and then you scroll down it shows some of the titles that they have available and the apps and stuff and then well you're going to find a similar kind of uh uh, sales proposition from Entitle Books. Uh, so uh, they're at Entitle with an E, books.com, and uh, uh, their splash page. I mean, it seems kind of similar uh, in terms of the uh, the book subscription. It says any two ebooks monthly for only nine ninety nine, including new releases and bestsellers. So uh, this is a little different. I, it looks like they're trying to trying to offer. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're trying, they're trying to sell, um, their products as, uh, their product is premium books and two per month for $10. So a lot of these books, uh, ebook versions, you know, they could be 10, $12 each. So that's, that, that, I, I don't know if I think that maybe is a little difficult of a, of a pitch from them. Uh, and then there's also, a site called Oyster Books, and they're um, offering something that's uh, more similar to what Scribd is doing. Um, so their site, uh, basically, you know, they are offering to if their site will load. Um, Read best-selling books anytime, anywhere, only $9.95 a month. It says over 500,000 books. So, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, they allow you to go through different books. Read as many books as you'd like, both offline and on. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's definitely um, uh, trying to... Uh, offer people the ability to pay a monthly fee for access to books instead of pay for each book they want. Now that, that model certainly taken off in music and in movies. Uh, is, is this going to be something that people want in books? You know, I, I, I guess right now I'm still a little skeptical of it, it especially given like the, uh, the questions about, you know, are they going to use DRM? I think they probably are. And, uh, it's not it what what is the reading experience going to be like i'm i'm used to reading on kindle apps and i use google play apps and ibooks apps too uh but uh probably read more more on kindle and then the second most uh uh used platform by me is definitely uh google play books right now uh, so i have i have a lot of uh books that i've uh purchased and uh have on those sites so I'm not sure. I don't know who the market is for this book, but there are those voracious readers out there. I like to read. I don't know if I read as fast as, as some people I know. And the, oh, some people want to have a good quantity of books. I, I guess, you, you know, between how, uh, how inexpensive uh, some ebooks are and, uh, you know, with, with all the other things going on, it seems like it's, you know, buying, buying a, a few books every once in a while. It, you know, I'm not sure how the... Uh, the expenditure would compare to one of these sites.
So I'm I'm probably not gonna have an account at one of these anytime soon. If you if you were using one of these uh, one of these services, uh, you want to let me know how it how it uh, works for you, or if you like it or not, uh, or if you have uh, any kind of feedback about the show, uh, you can send an email to podcast at pacificpelican.us. Back in episode number 42, which was actually from August 2012, I uh, was talking about the early days of uh, app.net. And uh, in fact, the thing, the way I mentioned it is uh, I'm talking about their attempt to uh, raise money at the beginning. And um, it was at the it was at join.app.net. I don't know what's there now, but what was there then was a Kickstarter style uh, fundraising pitch. Uh, so that that kind of thing um, that that was the idea was that uh, app.net was going to be uh, funded by users and I don't know uh, maybe developers, but it wasn't going to have advertising. It wasn't going to make the compromises Twitter made, and it did attract a pretty, a pretty solid following in the Greek, in the geek community. Um, but uh, it kind of like um, other networks before it, it never quite got to critical mass. It didn't cross over. Um, I, I think of Identica, uh, where uh, there was a. Uh, you know, it was a new open protocol, and it was an alternative to Twitter. And this was, uh, you know, this was around in, I want to say, like, around 2008. I mean, if you go back before that, there was uh, Jaiku, which was bought by Google and then eventually shut down. Um, you know, Google Plus, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk about whether Google is going to stop you know, pushing Google Plus on all their other products and making it essential to their strategy, because it certainly hasn't gotten the kind of traction that uh, that Facebook has. And uh, I, I don't know. I guess uh, there's some question as to whether they they were getting the kind of data, the kind of signals, uh, as some people call it, uh, from you know, from 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 what people were doing on Google Plus. You know. It, so, anyway, the, the, the app.net site had been up and running um, with uh, people, you know, posting short uh, statuses. But they'd also added, I think, a file, um, sh- like a file backup kind of service. Uh, so, um yeah, I mean, so the site is still up at alpha.app.net, but the um, the news doesn't appear good. So they are 
saying that they're going to continue to operate normally, but they're not going to have full-time employees. So I don't think that that bodes very well, and there's been a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess a lot of disappointment on the part of people that were invested in this. Um, I, I, I kept an eye on it, and I didn't really ever, you know, get, uh, uh, didn't find uh, any compelling reason to use it. Text editors are uh, uh, very important tools to programmers, and the choices available to a Mac user include BBEdit, which is excellent, which I use, and there's also Sublime Text, which has a, a strong following, and there um, have been many TextMate users over the years. Uh, there's a newer uh, version of it that's out. Uh, and there's plenty of other um, options in the text editing field, even just for Mac. Uh, uh, now, um, the text edit program uh, that comes with OS X is uh, good for uh, certain basic functions, but it doesn't have uh, the kind of feature set that uh, lends itself um, exclusively to coding in, in, in some ways. And a, a new editor that you could say uh, uh, does do that uh, is called Atom. And the, uh, the app is from GitHub. So they have a, uh, a text editor that uh, for now is free. Uh, it, it, um, their headline on their blog post says, Atom, free and open source for everyone. Uh, some of the material in the, in the product, uh, says it's free for now. So I, I don't know, but, uh, this is, uh, a, a, a pretty cool looking editor. I've downloaded it and I'm running it on my Mac and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it defaults to dark color, which is, uh, you know, kind of, I think the trendy way. Uh, but of course it's very customizable. Um, now they talk about how there's command shift P that, uh, brings up a lot of, uh, different options. Um, there are options in the, uh, top bar menu too, but one of the things you can do that's pretty neat is right at the bottom, you can click where it says plain text by default. And right there, you can choose what language you're writing in C, C++, and then it goes on CSS, coffee script, uh, Go, HTML, uh, JSON, Java, JavaScript. So uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, features for uh, code highlighting and stuff like that, uh, depending on what you're using. And the, um, uh, the, the idea, of course, is that it's uh, going to be configurable and uh, you know, I guess, you know, they want people to make, um, you know, modifications, uh, or, um, 
you know, packages for it and then uh, upload them back. But for, you know, for, for writing code, I, I think I might try it out a little bit. Uh, it does have a nice, simple interface. Now, one of the things I mentioned in the blog post is that it is um, uh, based on Chromium. So uh, right there, it, it has a, a tabbed kind of look um, where you're looking at a, um, a kind of interface that that that, that uh, um, you know just just kind of looks a little bit like a browser. But uh, you know, in terms of performance, in terms of how uh, you know its uh, features and add-ons stack up, I think uh, you know I, I I might be doing a little more uh, you know. Uh, testing of it and, and really see how it, how it works but for now you know I think it, it looks kind of cool um, so if you want to find uh, show notes including uh, I have a link to the blog post about Adam uh, and uh, some other stuff uh, just go to pacificpelican.us slash 64 you can see uh, links to the first 130 episodes uh, go to djmcloud.com slash podcast if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can just uh, check Pacific Pelican. You've been listening to the Pacific Pelican.us slash 64 podcast with me, Dan McKeown. Yes. Okay.